Welcome back to the Life Adventures of Terry Iverson Sr. This is the part two of the episode series, and uh, we've got myself, Terry Iverson Jr., the middle of the generation, Eric Iverson, and the youngest generation here, and and the guest of honor, Terry Sr. And uh, Eric, quickly Give us a quick update on your age and uh, where you're headed to in the next week or two. Yeah, uh, so I'm still 22, same as last part. <laughs> um, and I just graduated, moving down to Texas, in Austin, Texas, uh, in three days. So last, if I recall correctly, last episode we finished off with uh, right around the college area of your life, and here we're picking up. Uh, in the next chapter of your life, kind of where I'm taking off on mine. Right. So we're also going to do, this episode is mainly going to feature uh, Barbara Jean Iverson, yes. my mother who passed away in of cancer in 1985. And so we're going to go all the way back when of her younger years. And then, so this is going to overlap part of the era that we did last time. So we'll, it'll overlap... Um, maybe some of the younger years, junior high, senior high, and college, and then we'll go, obviously, going back to the everything going forward after the college will be uh, new from last episode. All right, uh, Terry Sr., welcome. Yeah, welcome. I'm glad to do this. Um, we will be... Um, uh, we will be looking at a couple different documents... And one is one that I just wrote with um, about Barb that I wrote um, three days ago, which means I'm 87. So these are my thoughts about Barb as an 87-year-old. And then I have another document that I wrote three days after she died that I gave to our pastor, Christy. And those were notes that were just about who Barb was, not what she did. So we'll be playing off two documents. We'll be playing off one that's kind of more, sort of more factual oriented, and the other one that's kind of more uh, who she was personality-wise. So we'll be going back and forth, and I think you'll be able to um, understand the difference of the so-called factual part versus the um, personality of who she was. Where are we going to start? Okay, let me start with just some facts. And this is Barbara Jean Baldwin Iverson. She was born January 11th, <laughs> 1944. Uh, she had a short life. She passed away at age 41. Uh, December 2nd, and um, from an illness, and we'll be talking about that also. But let me just give you a few, um, uh, if you want to look at where she lived and what house and what school. So some of this is just factual. She grew up in a house in an area called Bryn Mawr. It's a fantastic little neighborhood uh, just outside downtown Minneapolis. A very quiet neighborhood and just a beautiful area where she grew up. 
Uh, the address was 469 Newton Avenue South. So that house is still there, and if you go past it, you'll be able to see um, what they've done with it since then. So it's quite an amazing house. Uh, Barb had, um, her parents were Howard Baldwin. Howard grew up in Winona, Minnesota, and he was a machinist. So he, um, he would machine during the day, and he'd come home, and in his basement he had machines. So Howard was always working with machines. And his um, Barb's mother, Judith Johnson Baldwin, was basically a homemaker. So at their house, dinner was always at 5.15, and uh, dessert was at 8.30, and bedtime was 9. Um, that was uh, her parents growing up. She, Barb, had a sister named Marilyn. Marilyn's one year younger, and they uh, had good times together, probably argued a little bit, had a piece of tape that went down the middle of their bedroom, and the tape said, you stay on your side, and I'll stay on my side. And they did that. So um, that was just kind of her geographical growing up neighborhood. So you guys got um, any additions of uh, being at her house? Or so the, they both, the sisters shared the attic, correct? Correct. There okay. was an attic. Okay. And there was no wall between them. So yeah. they literally could hear each other. Uh, probably it was not always nice comments <laughs> going back and forth, but they were s- sisters, and sisters tend to be a little competitive. Do you think it was Barb's idea for the tape, or would that have been Actually, I, from my understanding, <laughs> it was Marilyn's idea. Uh, oh. Barb kept such a clean house. But growing up, she was not the cleanest oh. house person. Marilyn was. So Marilyn kept her side of the bedroom perfect. Where Barb, if she wore something, she'd throw it on the floor. And then if she wanted something to wear, if it was on the floor, it meant it was clean. Oh. <laughs> That's where Emily and Ella got that from. <laughs> it's interesting that she developed much more like organization and orderliness yeah, later on yeah, after childhood. Yeah, she, uh, as a housekeeper for our family, the house was always uh, kept very well uh, and was clean. So that was, a lot of the stuff we're talking about, you're getting just a brief history. It's much deeper than that. But And just one footnote to the that house. Uh, right. Uh, um, my family lived there for four years after... Howard Baldwin passed away. Um, I think the years would have been 97 to 2001. Because Eric here lived there until he was two. Yeah. So we both mm-hmm. lived there for a little while. Yeah. And then sold the house in 2001 and moved to Hastings. Yeah. And I remember at that house, uh, one of the main issues we had was Eric and Jason <laughs> arguing over should we go to the park or should we not go to the park? <laughs> really? Yeah. I don't, oh yeah. I don't remember that. Big deal. Is this yeah. the park with the big spoon and the cherry? 
No, I'm sure it was the neighbor. This is the neighborhood park down the neighborhood park. It was okay. a safe park, but it's just one of my memories of the kids at that house. <laughs> okay, cute little house. It's still there. We planted a tree for Barb, so when you drive by, look at the tree. The tree is probably a pretty big tree now, and that was Terry John and I planted that tree. So uh, it's still there. So Eric, if you ever go there. Look at that tree in the front of the house, and that's Barb's tree. Do we know what kind of tree? I don't no. recall. No, I don't know in any the, kind of tree. Okay. In the so, front yard, though? I believe so, yeah. Okay. Anyway, so here's a few more facts just to get, if you want to go to those places, you can. Uh, her school days, she went to Bryn Mawr Elementary, which was, um, it's now a junior high, but she went... K through six to Bryn Mawr Elementary. It's now a junior high, and that was maybe six blocks from our house. Then she went to Emerson Junior High as a ninth grader, and um, and then she came to Jefferson. In um, she sent seventh and eighth grade at Emerson, Jefferson ninth grade, all the Bryn Mawr kids, and then we all ended up going to West High School, and. Um, she graduated in 1962 from West. She was a very good student, but she didn't really care about A's and B's. She just was a good student. It was National Honor Society, and we graduated from West in 1962. Barb was like in the top 1% of the class. Anyway, that was uh, just a little taste of um, where she went to four different schools. And you were at... Were you at any of those schools? No. I, we went to West High together. I know, but what, you weren't at the elementary school together? No, okay. no, no. The elementary school, no. West High had about eight elementaries that fed into West High. Yeah. So she went to Bryn Mawr. I actually went to a school called Lindale Elementary. Okay. So, so I have a question. Do you recall the first time... Meeting her in high school? Uh, not really. Um, <laughs> no, not really. So we really didn't um, become an item until actually um, pretty much like my our freshman year in college. Oh. So, no, it was, there was quite a time frame there. Eric, I, I have the second document I have. One is who Barb was. Maybe you could just grab that first one and look at it and make a comment on that one. So yeah. This is a whole different document. Yeah, so this one is about her personality. The first page has a few things. Um, she loved the snow, first thing I'm seeing here. Um, and it says she died in the kind of weather that she loved. So yeah, that would have been and December. she did love snow. And when she passed away that particular night was a gigantic snowstorm. Got to the hospital just in time for us to have a little bit of talk before she passed away. But snow was, um, actually she liked everything, but for some reason snow was important to her. And is this... Okay, so... This uh, this quote, yippee, it's snowing out? Yeah, would she say yippee, that yeah, often? she would do that. <laughs> And uh, what that says is, and it's, uh, she was just 
excited about everything. There was no such thing as boring. Yeah. So um, anyway, um, Barb attended West. She did not do any sports. She was not really uh, very athletic. That was not her thing. But she always went to sports. She was a great fan, and she would cheer for the team. And um, At that time, there weren't many sports for women anyway, so even if you were good, you probably wouldn't play. But I'm sure she came to my games. I played sports, and I'm sure she cheered. She was cheering for the team, not cheering for me. And then it was when... Title IX came that allowed women to play sports. So, Terry John, maybe you could give uh, the next um, uh, who she was. Uh, she loved to travel. It says, where do you want to go? She would say, anywhere. The place was not important. The family was together. That's right. And she didn't like to travel. So as I look back, I wish we would have done more traveling. Cause she wasn't like... Where are you going to go? It was, let's go someplace. So we took a trip to South Dakota. We maybe went to Duluth. We did a few things, but she was, she probably would have wanted. We went to Florida. Uh, she loved to travel. So, um, yeah, and I'll be talking more about that. In high school, we didn't, Barb and I did not date because we basically had a whole bunch of kids there was a bunch, and we would do stuff together as a bunch. And one of the things we did was uh, a lot of the group we and our friends played instruments. So one played guitar, one played banjo, uh, one played this and that and that. And so when we got together, we did what we'll call hoot nannies. We'd actually sing songs. So... Yeah, we actually went down to the Mississippi River, had a bonfire, sang songs. One of the things we did also with this bunch of kids is Barb had a boat on Stillwater River. Stillwater. St. Croix. St. Croix. Yeah, and it was this big boat, and there would be a bunch of us kids, and we'd go on this boat. So high school was just a bunch of us kids having fun. I don't know, Eric. Did you guys do stuff in bunches? Oh yeah, we had um, uh, we had a bunch of friends that luckily I found uh, like a group of ten or so. We didn't play any instruments <laughs> like you guys did. Although I did have a banjo, yeah. I wish I learned how to play that thing. Yeah. Did you yeah. Did you play any of the instruments? What well, was it, What was your instrument? I, excuse me. What was your instrument? I actually played the bongos. Oh, yeah, very nice. And I wasn't a professional bongo player, but I could keep a beat. So I would be background bongo player, too. Our actually friends were really good. They were a music group. So they were like what would be called high school professionals. So were you playing um, real songs or just kind of making it up? At that time, it was the, um, the called that time, folk song era. Yeah. And... Folk songs were songs that were like the, who are the folk songs groups again? Simon and Garfunkel? Yeah. Simon and Garfunkel. The um, Carpenters? The Carpenters, the Beach Boys, and all those groups that when you sang a song, you could hear the words. (laughs) So they they did those. Yeah. Anyway, 
So that's what we did as um, a young group. Um, I'll switch back to the who was Barb, and um, this is, um, and I'm just kind of, once again, when I say this is who she was, these are my notes from after she passed away after three days to remind you that, so these would be more who she was, not what she was. Before you get started, we have a special guest, Ella Story, jumped in. Ah. Hello. Granddaughter of Terry Iverson Sr. Welcome to the pod. Why don't you, why don't you introduce yourself, Ella? Um, I'm Ella, granddaughter of Terry. I'm 22, living in Minneapolis. All I'm right. a server, just kind of hanging out. Okay. Ella just joined us, so we're going to want Ella to just She'll ask you some in. questions, too. We'll let her just jump in. Whenever you have a question, like jump it. in. Sounds good. Um, so, Ella, this is who she was, and then the typed one is what she was. Okay? If that makes sense to you. Yeah. So I'll just read the third one. Okay. And I'll... Barb loved making things. She could sew, weave, decorate, plant. Everything she did was just really nice. And I would joke about her that said it was a joke, but it was actually kind of serious, too. I would say Barbie even made our television. Now, that <laughs> might have been a little bit of an exaggeration, but the point was most of the furniture in our house she made, uh, curtains she made, so she could make anything. Um, she was a home ec major, so she was very good at what she did. Part of what our relationship, um, Barb and I, a lot of it um, was um, based on uh, the fear of Vietnam. At that time, we were in a war with uh, North Vietnam, and I was very um, susceptible to the draft. So a good share of our relationship was trying to have me not be drafted because um, 50,000 young men were killed in Vietnam, and luckily I was not one of them, just luckily. I avoided the draft, and I did avoid it. I, I being a teacher, I didn't have to go. By getting married, I didn't have to go. And I oftentimes refer to Terry John as my last deferment, because <laughs> when you had children, you didn't have to go. That makes Terry me John feel really special. Me, Terry John <laughs> did keep me out of the draft. You protected him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what I refer to him as. So, um, Eric, you want to take page two and yeah. these are the who she was? Yeah. So, uh, we'll do the first two here. The first one, um, she loved cats. Yeah. So, the love of cats stems from her. Were you a cat person, not a cat person no, before I'm, her? No, I'm not even an animal person. <laughs> but but like she. Her daughter, Emily. Uh, she was a cat person, and I think both Terry, John, and Emily remember when we went out to a, a farm, and you just reached into a haystack, <laughs> and Terry, John grabbed one cat that was a black cat. Emily reached in, grabbed one cat, which was a white cat. Yin and yang. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> Terry John's cat was quiet and did what I told him to do. 
Emily's cat was wild and did whatever she felt like doing. <laughs> so maybe it was kind of they took on the personality of their parents. I'm not sure. And how old were you when you got the cat? What age is this? I don't know. Eight and ten maybe or something. Yeah. Very nice. Maybe eight and ten. I think probably the same age as when you guys got Zeus. Yeah. Yeah. Who is also in the room over there listening was, in. Yes, Zeus is listening. Zeus yeah. is 12 years old this May. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Emily and Barb, that we were cat people, and cats have all personality of their own. That's a whole yeah. other, um, this, other thing. So the next thing on the page here says she was not a huge fan of movies. Go ahead. Um, she, she, liked, she claimed they're not real to her. Which obviously they're fake. Um, That's liked, the whole point. She liked <laughs> she liked the lighthearted ones, the funny ones with happy endings, not so much the sad movies. Yes, and that was really important to her. And uh, the movies today would really freak her out because they're so violent. She um, wanted no part of violent movies, and um, we did um, we did go to one movie. That turned out to be probably the worst movie we could have ever taken them to. <laughs> it was called Aliens. <laughs> it was the worst movie ever. And Barb, halfway through the movie. No, it was a good movie. It just wasn't good for kids. It wasn't good for kids. Barb grabbed Emily and said, we're out of here. And she <laughs> left, left the theater? Then, and you, you two stayed? Tara John and I stayed. Do you, rem- do you remember the movie? Yeah, yeah, I'm it's traumatized. Uh, yeah, I'm traumatized for <laughs> <laughs> But but now you love movies. Right. Maybe it worked. Right. She really was um she was a nice person and she liked doing nice things. Television and movies today would not be good for Barb. The children uh throw in I'm going back to my notes now here a little bit so some facts. Terry John was born in 68 and I Reiterated, that kept me out of the draft. Careful on the next one, no. Emily was born in 1971. Good catch, good catch. it was in 71 we decided the little house that we um, uh, stayed in at 4455 Lindale. Is that the correct address? I'm not sure on that, but let's just say it's on the corner. Well, you you got it correct in the last episode, so we'll we'll go with uh, the last episode on that one. Yeah. (laughs) We paid um, 11000 for the house. It was a tiny, tiny little Dang. house, but it was a great house. And then once Emily was born, we did not have enough space. So that's when we ended up moving to Prior Lake, and we bought a house at 5433 Green Oaks Trail. Is that right? 15033 okay. Green Oaks Trail. Okay, I cracked it on the dress. This is, remember, this is an old man trying to remember this <laughs> stuff. Uh, this house was like a mansion for me from how I grew up. So Green Oaks was like paradise to us. It was on a very small pond in the backyard, and it was on that pond that Terry John, for some reason, decided he liked to skate, and he skated pretty much during the winter. We would clear ice, and he would skate, so by the time he went to play hockey as a kindergartner, he was a good skater, and um, he became a good hockey player. 
from then on, being the captain of the Prior Lake hockey team. And um, Emily became a really good softball player, being one of the best pitchers in Prior Lake uh, with fast pitch. So that was kind of what some of what came from out in Prior Lake. So how did you choose Prior Lake? Actually, I chose Prior Lake because we could afford it. At that time, Prior Lake was like out in the sticks. Oh, really? I suppose. So it was um, it was a cheap, cheaper house. Had we bought it like in Burns, it would have been more. We could afford it. But it, um, I also thought it would be good to live in a small town. And at that time, Prior Lake was a small town. So I, I didn't want to live in the big city. So we ended up going to Prior Lake because it was a small town. Now I'm going to buy who she was. She liked order. We needed to plan ahead. Spur of the moment, not good. I'm not ready. She had her plan for death. She knew it was coming. She gave me the plan. Yeah. So everything was ordered for her. and she, You had to read a tough one. Anyway, uh, she did like order. That's one of the reasons she became a home ec teacher and all that. They just, that they just have that. But she always wanted a plan. What's a plan? And I was never good at making a plan, so that was always interesting. Was she, she a clean person? S- excuse me? Was she a clean person? Yes. Yes. She, um, yeah, our house was very clean. And she was a clean person. Yeah. She dressed well. Modest, but she dressed well, and um, she never tried to impress. She just, impressing people was not her thing. Very um, humble, so to speak. So she got good grades. She could have been straight A, but she didn't really care about straight A. It was not important. She, um, I'm going back to who she was. Uh, She loved to weave. Among many things she could do, one of her weavings is in our church now. So um, any of the grandchildren, if you ever go to Holy Trinity, go um, go into the church. There's a weaving of a cross, and that cross, Ella and Eric and Jason, your um, grandmother made. That was just a sample of what she did. She was just very good at it. So anytime Barb watched television, she was always weaving or doing something called macrame that you guys never heard of, but you can look it up and find it out. Anyway, she could do sew, macrame, weave, design. She taught night school to adults, not to kids. There's home ec, home ec lessons and courses? Yeah, to adults. So she could handle adults. <laughs> Ella, where you want to do the next one that was on that list? Yeah. She loved to weave. Her latest good was to learn all about weavery. Read the weaver. <laughs> What's that? Is that a poem? Oh, the poem um, you will be able to find. I don't have it with me, but there's a poem called The Weaver, and Emily has it. Terry John, I don't know if you've got a copy, but that's one of the things that when I saw that poem, I said, that's your mom. So if you ever find the poem, The Weaver, 
where she was a weaver, but it also was a lot more to that. Did she know about the poem? Can I tell you about it? Did she, like, did she know it? Did she like it? I think she, yeah, she liked it, and it was, um, and actually I'm not sure if I did it after she passed or not. I, I don't recall that. Let's see, so many background things. Kind of Barb is a parent. And once again, keep in mind, I'm condensing everything, so nothing will truly tell who she was. Um, As a parent, she was very patient. With Emily, most of the time, she was patient. No pressure for the kids to perform. Both Both Emily and Terry John played sports, and she really did not care if they were good or not good, if they won or didn't win. It was not important to her. She liked sports, but she did not love sports. Overdone. Too much pressure on kids. Did she go to all your games? Like, you're in my mom's sports games? I don't think she went to all of mine because it wasn't physically possible, and she had another child running around. Um, also, I think I think she thought all the hockey practices and games were excessive because it was like 60 or 80 games plus practices a year. Yeah. So I think she thought that was out of hand. Yeah, she did. And um, Terry John maybe could have been a uh, better hockey player if we would have spent more money, but we didn't want to spend the money. Hockey was very expensive, and she would, we don't need to spend money on hockey. We will spend enough for him to play. Some parents would spend a fortune on their kids for hockey. Um, oh, I, I take full responsibility for being mediocre. <laughs> <laughs> you are not mediocre by any means. Every night it, was, it wasn't her job, but she did it. I don't know why I didn't do this, but as I look back on every night she would put Emily and Terry John to bed, and with each one of them she would usually spend some time talking, and I don't even know what you guys were talking about because I was never in there. We were talking about you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't recall that. Do you, do you recall that? And we've got Emily in the background. She's not on the mic here, but she's nodding, yes. Anyway, these are my m- memories. So, um, Let's see. Uh, she, the church one? Yeah, go ahead yeah, and read that go one. Go ahead. All right. She loved to work at church. She wanted to organize people to get things done. She didn't like to waste time. She was always doing something, always busy, always productive. I didn't get that gene from her. (laughs) And I think um, Tara John, um, she was very active in church. She wasn't overly religious, but she was. uh, Church was important. We went to church every Sunday. She was president of the Women's Association, was an organizer of the church. It was just important for her, and that's how we, um, she was always doing something, very, very productive in what she did. She was active. She was awarded what was called the Loving Cup, and it's a cup with hearts on it, like a coffee cup. She was the first one at Holy Trinity who got this cup. And the cup was dedicated to the person who did a lot for the church. And they, um, Holy Trinity, decided to 
Barb was the first one to receive the loving cup, and we still have the loving cup. Barb was thankful to get it at that time. She was in the hospital, but she still thanked the church for thinking of her. As a church person, she uh, was an organization person, so she just organized the church. Eric, maybe uh, who she was? Yeah. Um, so she hated gadgets and complicated things, just kind of a pattern we're getting where she she likes the simple life and like the just not nothing superficial or that life didn't need. Um, she would rather do it with her hands than have a fancy gadget that would just break down anyway. John, you remember of any of that of the how she w- was simple in those terms? Are you referring to the to the microwave? The microwave would be <laughs> an example. Go but, ahead. Yeah, tell that. The uh, her parents, I think this is right when microwaves were invented. Um, I don't know what year that would be approximately, but her parents decided to give both of their daughters a new microwave and said, well, you can just pick it out yourself and we'll buy it for you. And uh, Aunt Marilyn picked out the fanciest microwave with all the gadgets and buttons and things that were available at the time. And uh, our mother, Barb, picked out one with two knobs, one timer and one for the heat level, I think, or something. One for the type of food and one for the time. So just yeah. two two buttons, so it would do the minimum amount of things and cost about one-tenth of the price. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's a good example of, um, if you just take the microwave, she wanted a microwave that microwave. That's all she needed <laughs> She didn't. We weren't big on television. We weren't. We never had um, when VCR, VC, DVDs. What's it called? VCR. VHS. VHS came out. We were probably the last in the neighborhood to get one because she just said, "This is a gadget. We don't need it. It's a gadget." That kind of was her personality. She wanted to keep things simple. Mm-hmm. Was she a stubborn person at all? Stubborn? Yeah. Uh, was she stubborn? You're asking me hard questions. I don't, <laughs> I, I don't think she was stubborn, but I think she was assertive. There's a difference. Yeah. So um, she was not afraid to, um, when the men at church were um, on the uh, console and she was on the console, she would get really upset with the men because they were just so wimpy. She would take charge. She was um, she was a leader, so a leader has to be assertive. But she was a nice assertive, but she was very clear on, for example, Terry John playing hockey. She was very clear that he can play the game, but it's just a game, and we could do this, and it's just that. So she was very assertive. Yeah, that answers your question. If she were talking to you right now, she'd want you to be just assertive, too. And was that, like, more rare back then? Like, was it common for women to kind of be more assertive or confident? Yeah, probably. Yeah. But she, like I said, she was 
assertive, but very nicely assertive. But that's a good question, but yeah, she was. The next of who she was? Yeah, so this one, this one's pretty powerful, where she kind of taught you the importance of a simple hug and a an, yeah. uh, loving embrace. Yep. And then says she cared about you and wanted wanted you to be satisfied in life. Yeah. She greatly loved you. Yeah. Would be that way with her children too. Just uh, very nice, very huggable, and stuff like that. I wish I'd have been more huggable. That's kind of one of my do-overs. That could have been more huggable. You're a hugger now. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Wouldn't you say? Now I am. Yeah. But I don't know if I've always been that. Better um, late than never. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'm going back to the who she was. She was cheerful. These are in my notes from 40 years ago. Even in her illness, she was cheerful. And I don't think the children, Emily and Terry John, probably never saw, I don't know if you ever saw her down, up. And oftentimes she would be up even when she wasn't feeling good. She would be up, and I would be in the room, and I can remember one time that she had a pretty um, severe fluid on her lungs, and they were draining her lung, which was a big deal. But the children came into the room, and she was just so positive. Oh, good to see you, and da-da-da-da-da-da, not knowing what she was going through. And... I don't know if that's a good or bad. She didn't want the children to feel bad. So she, whenever they visited, she was always cheerful. When she came home, as best she could, she would be cheerful. And she still, during that time, tried to stay involved. That is pretty impressive to hear the strength that she had yeah. to, yeah, and she to did. keep uh, that up. It was, um, it was a tough uh, decision on uh, how do you want to, how much do you want the children to know? I think today maybe we would be more open. Back then, it was things were kind of kept a little bit more uh, quiet. You you didn't want to scare the children. So we, uh, I don't know if they always knew how how serious it was, but. Um, Anyway, that's a choice we made then. If we could do it over again, we'd probably do it different. But that was then, and, and this is now. Um, do you recall your any visits? I do. I'm trying to remember how often she was able to come home during, and I know she came back for Thanksgiving. Yes. But how often before that was she able to come home? It was intermittent. Okay. I'm kind of looking at my notes here. I kind of went past one part, but um, I'm going back to page two of the printed material. School-wise, Barb went to the University of Minnesota. She started in 63. She majored in home economics, and she mainly lived on St. Paul campus. She... um, during that same year that she was going to school, Ella, I took a gap year, and uh, that's when I worked at Control Data, which was equivalent to Apple at that time. 
job at a very big company, but a very wimpy job. So <laughs> it, it, it didn't pay a whole lot of money. But it was that year that um, I took a gap year and Barb went to school that we became more serious with each other. So that was kind of uh, my first, our first year out of college. And then Barb did graduate in 1963, degree in home ec. So what, what would you consider your first date to be? Good well, question. I said because we were in that group. I know, I know, I know. You're in a big group, I get it. But First date. Did you I ever, can tell you Did you ever go somewhere, just the two of you? Okay, I'll tell you something that <laughs> is not the first date. Okay. But we were at a University of Minnesota football game. And at halftime, I proposed to your mom. Oh. And at halftime, she accepted. What was she thinking? Anyway, <laughs> when I proposed to her. So our first date does really not come, but that date comes to me. That That's when I proposed to her. And I can remember we went back to their house. And it was probably like 9 o'clock at night and her. Dad was asleep and her mom was asleep and Barb goes in there and goes, hey, Dad, look, I'm engaged. <laughs> and her dad goes, what? What? You what didn't, did you say? You didn't ask him permission? No, I didn't do <laughs> that. No. <laughs> but I can remember him going, what? What did you say? <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Then we ended up getting married um, August 20th, 66, at Hennepin Methodist Church. It's a church. And um, I'll just, this is from our, our notes. She, Barb, when I say she was an adventurer, and uh, Ella, when you say is she assertive, she's actually kind of like you, Ella, in that her junior year in college, she went to Europe for two months. And in those two months, they traveled all through Europe. She had a very good time, and... At that time, it was safe to go through Europe. And he, she and one friend just basically had no plan. They would just jump on the train and go to the next place, the next place, the next place. Well, I sat home that summer doing nothing. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> the point for Barb is, think how much courage that took. To Wait, was this before you were engaged or after? <laughs> this would be after, before we were engaged. Before she... Before. Okay. I think. But anyway, the fact that she had the courage to go th through Europe, I would never have had that courage. I, not a chance. Didn't you say she only brought like a backpack or something? Yeah, one backpack. She oh. basically had one dress, and you'd wash that dress at night, dry it, and put it back on. So, yeah, you traveled... With one backpack. Yeah, now people bring at least like two of the big ones, like two big suitcases, <laughs> <laughs> like minimum. Yeah, weren't yeah. we weren't we kind of surprised that her parents, Howard and Judy, wouldn't let her go on that trip? Or well, I I don't think it was about permission. Or did she just say I'm going? No, I I think they trusted her. Uh, I don't recall it being about permission. No, it took a lot of guts to do that. And you said she didn't really have a, a concrete plan of no. where she was going? And her partner who went with her, Sue Rahman is her name, uh, sometimes they'd be together, sometimes apart, but they uh, 
basically just the two of them just wandered and they went through most of Europe. Um, I'm, I'm just amazed Ella can read senior's <laughs> handwriting because I can't, I can't read it. <laughs> Try yeah, my best. We put the pressure on her. <laughs> she just, okay, let me help you out here. It's my handwriting. It's about the parents, Barb's parents. How, how Howard was a machinist and a doer, just like Barb. Just that he, like, he watched Barb pretty close. He was, like, unbelievable in the time and, like, care that he gave to her. And then after her loss, it was really hard for him. His yeah. children were a top priority, kind of like her. Yeah, his children were, and that's a, a big concept, that his children were his top priority. And he was a very hard worker, a doer. And Barb was just like him, a doer. Were you close with her parents at all? Yeah, they were good people. They were really good people. So she had unbelievable parents. So she had a really good role model. It was not perfect, but it was good. Nothing is. We got engaged in um, 1966. Once again, I proposed to her at halftime. Go figure. Sounds uh, like you proposed to her before your first date. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, before the first date. And um, She seems cool. Yeah. Might as well. <laughs> Just before our wedding, and this story is kind of unbelievable but true, three or four days before we got married, I saw an ad in the paper that said, we need teachers in Michigan, three years of college accepted. I thought, I have three years of college. And at that time, we had no money. Where we were, It would have been pretty slim. So I went down and applied for the job, and the guy says, yep, you're hired. So I'm hired. And I told Barb about that three days before we got married. And she said, okay. <laughs> she went down there, interviewed, got hired. So the two of us on our honeymoon went to Michigan to find a place to live. So we went from not having any money, three days later we were considered relatively wealthy when you combined our two incomes. And not that that was a big deal, well it was a big deal that she even agreed to go to Michigan. First class I ever taught was a real class, I had never a student taught. I just got in front of the kids and said, okay, listen to me, and if I don't know what I'm talking about, and they listened to me. Sort of a callback to when um, I mentioned she likes to travel, she didn't care where. The fact that she just said, Michigan, sure, like yeah. as long as you two went together. Yeah, and to this day, you know, if she were here, I'd say, what were you thinking? <laughs> it was like, we had an apartment, a furnished apartment, all set to move in. And three days later, we're in a car on our way to Michigan, having no idea where we were going. Had never seen the schools before. My school was in the middle of nowhere called Otter Lake. It was a farm community. Her school was in a little town, and she taught first grade. And she's a home ec major. But she's teaching first grade. Can you imagine that? But that's 
how she was able to adapt. And I'm sure she was a great first grade teacher. Is that how she knew she didn't want to teach kids anymore? She knew she didn't want to teach home ec kids because they were like high school kids who usually didn't like school. Oh, yeah. Probably taking the class just to take it. So she, after teaching one year first grade, one year home ec, she decided she would never teach. These are just finishing out the family a little bit. I told you about Howard being a machinist and a hard worker. Judy was um, a very caring person, took care of other people. She was your classic homemaker. She made breakfast, dinner, everything the same every day. Dinner was always good at exactly 5.15 every day. Ice cream at nine o'clock Sounds every good to day. Me. Everything was the same, but she was a classic. If you ever watch the old movies, Leave It to Beaver or something, that's who she was. Her sister Marilyn is another story. Marilyn, her sister, was kind of a loony, very funny person, carefree, not like Barb, a free spirit, funny, entertaining. Not like Barb. They were sisters, but they um, were not alike. Where do you think she got that from? Because it sounds like everyone else was pretty low-key. I think Marilyn, about Marilyn now? Yeah. I think Marilyn's always been kind of an odd duck, neither good nor bad. But she was always, like when Barb went to college, Barb went to college. When Marilyn went to college... Marilyn went to find a husband and a cup of coffee. Marilyn still graduated. Barb graduated. She actually wanted more children. And I sort of didn't remember that, but she did. I didn't know that. I know it either. I found (laughs) it in my notes. (laughs) But I do know, Emily, you don't know this. I'm telling you now. When you were born... By the way, we're going to have another child. (laughs) I go, by the way? (laughs) By the way, meaning I thought we were on birth control. She decided, assertive, she decided we're going to have a second child. And she sort of told me, by the way, (laughs) by the way. So you're by the way, actually. (laughs) And uh, that was not up for discussion. It just... Sometimes things happen why they happen. But well, she knew. She knew. <laughs> and, and that's why she was prepared to have more. Yeah. Is there, do you think, what was the reason that she didn't, she didn't want to discuss that ahead of time? Or? Uh, actually, I can't answer that question. Okay. <laughs> All I can answer is I remember us in bed just sort of talking and her saying, by the way, we're going to have another child. What? <laughs> what? Did she seem and nervous to tell you, or was it pretty No, we were, we were fine. It was good. Yeah. Sometimes marriage can be interesting. So. I don't know why you'd have to say, by the way, if you're right next to him. Yeah. And, you're not, and no, neither, nice person, neither, person is, neither person is going anywhere. I could be wrong with that terminology. <laughs> yeah. But it, it, Point being, it caught me by surprise. I think she texted you, BTW. 
<laughs> Side note. Yeah. 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 Well, you wrote down at the end here that she she wasn't afraid and she thought it would be fun and they would give her something to do. More yeah. children. Yeah. So I think I'm not sure if we covered everything, but I thought I would Anything to add before I go on the last step? I don't think so. Okay, I don't know if this is exactly what I wanted to do, but I decided to do it when Barb had a best friend, and her best friend was named Marilyn Hooper. And Marilyn would, um, and Barb would make cookies every Christmas. And Marilyn and Barb went to summer school together so they would walk home every day and they become great friends. So when their mom, Barb, passed away, Marilyn was devastated by the loss. She wrote a letter, and I don't know if you remember the letter, but I'm just going to read the letter in kind of closing. Marilyn is writing to Emily and Terry John. She said, I want to share a few of my thoughts and memories with each of you during this very sad and difficult time. Your mother and I became friends when we were about your age, Emily. Her parents, your grandparents, were raising her in a very similar fashion to the way my parents were raising me. So we shared many of the same values and had many of the same reactions to the events of our lives. This has continued right up to the present. Terry John, I was when, when I was your age that we decided to take high school physics together in summer school. We couldn't fit in our schedules any other time. So every day during the summer between our junior and senior years, we sweated through that four classes a day. Then we'd often walk home to my house where we'd make and eat liverwurst and peanut butter sandwiches. Yes, both in the same sandwich. We invented this combination, <laughs> I think. And we'd work on our homework together. I had to miss your parents' wedding, which is Barb and I, but my next vivid memory was visiting your mom and dad in their Minneapolis house to see their dear new baby, you, Terry John. How happy and proud they both were. I remember another visit when, Emily, you were five or six months old. There you sat in the middle of the floor watching us with your big, beautiful eyes, taking everything in while your mom and I talked and talked. You never crawled away. We were so amazed at how long you stayed interested in us. Sometimes after that, when Fred and I had moved back to Minneapolis and you both were in school, your mom and I started getting together to bake Christmas cookies each December. We talked and talked while we baked. I could always bounce ideas and thoughts off your mom, and her perspective was always helpful to me. It seemed that no matter how much time elapsed between us, our visits to each other, Sometimes it was months, sometimes years. I always felt our immediate closeness with her once we were back together. There was no pretense in your mother. She was a real, true friend. 
She was a generous and thoughtful friend to me, and I will continue to miss her for the rest of my life. My hope for both of you is that you each will have a longtime friend like your mother was to me. Her friendship was really a gift to me. My love to each you, Marilyn Hoover Rolfing. So that kind of summarizes the who she was part and how good a person she was. It would have been nice to have her around a little bit longer to do more good. She would have done a lot of good. But in the 41 years she had, she used them well. Used them well. So that was um, Barbara Jean Baldwin Iverson and Eric Iverson and Ella Story and Terry John Iverson and Emily in the background once in a while correcting my <laughs> dates. I've always had troubles with dates with you. Mm-hmm. So anything, Terry John, no, you can I'm, close it? No, that was good job. I'm sure a lot of that it was hard hard to talk about and it's hard to believe that she was that young because I'm 53, almost 54. She passed away 12 years younger than I am right now. So that seems like she, yeah, it's very, very young. Um, so when they talk about a life well lived, sometimes it's not the number of years, even though we'd like to have a lot of years. It's nice if it's well lived, and she did that. Brought up two pretty good kids. Good job, Mom. Yeah, it was really cool for us to listen in to get all the memories here and have you share that with us. Yeah, yeah. very inspirational. And hopefully this will, Ella and your grandkids or whatever, you'll have a, a little bit of a memory of who we were. Yeah. Our, so it's good to have that. So thanks for helping out. <laughs> Anytime. Yeah. All right. Well done. Thank you.